I've made a decision this afternoon that we'll, because we've got to seize the moment, as they say, and uh, I'm going to adapt what I had prepared for this morning and share it this evening um, before we move too far away from the new year. And so I'm going to read not just the verses that were read this morning, but I just want to read the first few that are before that as well. In Genesis chapter 11, starting at verse 27. And when you look at the first few verses, it's almost as if you think Norman's chosen them to be read. And through to verse 6 of chapter 12. So I will do my best. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram. Nea and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abraham, Abram and Nea took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nea's wife Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Ishka. Now Sarah was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abraham, is Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Aaron his grandson, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of him, I'll make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had, acquired, had gathered and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. You remember that the theme for this morning's service, and therefore really the theme for what I want to share this evening, has been not relying on resolutions, but rather on God's promises. These verses, as I, I did mention this morning, verses 1 to 6 of chapter 12, have always been an integral part of my relationship with God for as long as I can ever remember. I've mentioned before that I have favourite verses, I have favourite books, I have favourite chapters, and, you know, I won't repeat what they are in the New Testament, but I love the book of Psalms, but my most favourite portion of Scripture in the old, of the Old Testament is actually these verses in Genesis 12, 1-6. And the reason why they are my favourite verses is because they've always been a blessing to me. They've always been a challenge to me. Uh, and they've always been the verses that I've tried to do my best to allow to be the words that encourage me in my obedience to my walk 
with the Lord God. And we, we, we can look at these verses and I'll sum them up very quickly. We start off where I did in 27, where we find that Abraham's dad and his family decided that they were going to move from where they lived, which was the Ur of the Chaldeans, and they intended to make their way down to the land of Canaan. But we find that when we come to the verses there in um, 20, uh, 31, it says that on their way to Canaan, they came to a place called Haran, and it was there that they decided to settle. So what we notice is that they didn't get to what was their predetermined destination. And so we find that eventually Abram's dad passes away and the Lord then comes to Abraham and tells him, I want you to get out from where you've settled this country and away from your kindred and your father's house. And I want you to go to the land that I am going to show you. Now, Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just had to trust and obey. And so he got up and he began to make the journey until eventually they left the Haran and they came down to the land of Canaan. And it says that when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. And it was there that he pitched his tent and arrived at the place where God had wanted him to get to. It's interesting when we think of those verses that some Christians can be a little bit like Abraham's father where they set out with good intentions. So we know that he set out with the intention of going down to Canaan, but he didn't get there. He only went so far. And in his journey of making his way down to Canaan, he came to the land of uh, Haran and he decided instead to settle there. He didn't get to the point of where he originally attended to. And Christians can be like that. They're full of enthusiasm. They're, f they're full of desire and they're full of whatever you want to think about to make sure that they're going to get their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going to get to a certain point but the sad thing is that in part some way of their journey they decide to just settle down in a place where it's so comfortable and they don't just move on in the will and the purposes of God and that's I think why this chapter has been so important to me because it's always been my desire that I never wanted to get comfortable I don't want to lose my way I want to be determined to make sure that I finish the course by doing and being and arriving at every destination where God has purposed or planned for me to arrive to. And my prayer is that for each and every one of us, as we are on this Christian journey, that we will be determined not to get to the place of being so comfortable that we fail to keep moving on in the plan and the purposes of God. And sadly, it can not only be the case for individual Christians, but it can also be the case for churches. Churches can set off with good intentions, and you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful in what I say this, but churches can be set up and established, and they're going to conquer the world for Jesus. They're going to do this, they're going to do that, and they're going to just become whatever. 
But suddenly churches somehow get to that place where they come to a point of just being comfortable with the status quo. Uh, And they remain in the status quo. And they seem to stop there instead of continuing to move on into the journey and into the future that God has preordained that he wants that body of believers to go into. Norman shared a little with me on Wednesday night or Friday night, I can't remember, of what he shared last Sunday. And he gave me some a copy of some of the stuff that he shared. Uh, and I, I'd read that after I'd prepared for what I'd got from here from Genesis 12. But I noticed that in his notes he'd got something about the children of Israel. They left Egypt and God's intention for them was to get back to where Abraham had arrived in the first place, to Canaan. But we find, sadly, with the children of Israel, they got into the wilderness and they went round and round and round and round in circles instead of getting to the place where God had determined for them to get to. And the sad thing is that we find that of those that left the the, the land of Egypt, that it wasn't them that entered the promised land. They, They were faithless, perhaps, Uh, They were not trusting enough. They were failing to be obedient. And so those that left died off. And it was the new generation, the next generation, that actually eventually arrived into the land of Canaan. And so churches, we as a church, we need to be careful that we don't just get comfortable with the status quo. You remember I mentioned this morning that God, uh, 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 God wants to do new things and different things for us because God is a God of freshness. And we have to make sure individually and we have to make sure collectively as a body of God's people that we just don't want to just stay settled with the status quo, with what has always been, but be ready to be listening to what God wants. What are the new things that God might want to do amongst us? It may mean changing our program. It may mean changing lots of different things. But change can be uncomfortable. But uncomfortable uncomfortable change is for our good if it is part and parcel of God's plan and purpose and his will for us as a body of people. So we need to be open to what God might have for us. But before that, thinking of the church and thinking of us as individuals, when I think of Abraham being told to leave Aharon and being told to leave his kindred and being told to leave his father's house and to go to a land that God would show him, it was a big challenge. God was saying to him, I want you to leave it all behind so that you can make steps towards the direction that I want to place you and the destination to which I want you to arrive at. And when I think of that, to me, it's an amazing, it's a wonderful picture of salvation. God calls us. He calls us at the point when we come to accept him as our saviour and Lord. And when he calls us and we come to the place of salvation, God says to us, I want you to leave your old life. I want you to leave it behind. The pleasures of the world, the activities of the world, the things you wanted, used to get involved in. The Lord would say, I want you to leave those things behind. I want you to leave the things you've been doing and the places where you've been going because I want to set off, you to set off on a new journey. I want you to set off with a new life so that you can eventually arrive at a new and an eternal 
destination. And the song we used to sing, and I've quoted it when we were looking at uh, the first epistle of Peter, this world is not my own. Uh, and uh, we can take that message from the message of Abraham. This world is not my home. And as he left Haran and began to tread through different places, he was waiting for the voice of God to tell him, you've arrived. You've come to the place where I want you to be. And so I can imagine in my own mind, as Abraham was making the journey and looking around, well, this is not my home. This is not my home. This is not my home. Until he got to the place, the land of Canaan, and he knew that this was the home that the Lord had prepared for him. And for us as well, we're pilgrims, we're strangers, we're sojourners in this land. This world is not my home. And we shouldn't make it our home. We shouldn't get comfortable in this world because we've got a home that's been prepared for us. And we're making our journey there and we need to be determined to reach our heavenly land of Canaan. But then we find that as the Lord came to speak to uh, Abraham, I'm going to keep calling him Abraham because, you know, you know who I mean, you know, even if his name hadn't been changed thus far, I'm changing it. We know that when the Lord called him, that he made that amazing promise to him. He says to him, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What an amazing promise. Again, that's why I love these verses, because it's such an incredible promise. Look, Abraham, if you're obedient to me calling you, if you're willing to leave your old life behind and embark on the journey that I've got planned for you, this is my promise. I'm going to make of, out of you a great nation. And out of that great nation, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And God makes amazing promises to you and I. As we commit our lives to him, as we start out on the Christian journey, if we're willing to leave our old life behind and embark on the journey that he set out for us to follow, God has made such amazing, wonderful, great and precious promises as we've been reading from 2 Peter that have been made available to each one of us. And so Abram went as the Lord had told him. He responded in obedience. He left the past behind. He took the journey into the future that God had prepared for him. But the wonderful thing is, as I've mentioned in the promise already, that the future that God had prepared for Abraham was a future that would be the means of blessing, not only for Abraham, not only for his family, but also for the nation that would eventually come from his offspring, the nation of Israel. But the blessing was not just for Israel, but also for all the nations, for all the peoples of the world. For out of his obedience would day, one day come the one who was to be born, born to be the saviour of the world. Now, I want to add into this, this evening as I'm sharing of this, when we think of this promise to Abraham and we think of the nation that came out of that promise, 
we need to remind ourselves that this nation that was born out of this promise was a special nation. But notice I said was a special nation. I need to add it is still a special nation. I don't believe that God has finished with Israel. And Israel is still an important nation in the plans and purposes of God. Why do you think that Israel has survived in that little tract of land after all the hatred that has been poured out against it? Israel survived because God's hand is upon that nation. And God's hand hasn't been lifted upon that nation. And God's hand hasn't been lifted off the people of Israel. And God still has much more that is yet going to unfold around that tract of land, around those special people. And so that reminds us that we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for Jerusalem. We need to pray for the people of God, that God would continue to bless them, that peace will be found within the walls of that city and within the boundaries of that nation, that God would bless them and that many will have their eyes open to realise who Jesus really was, the Messiah, the sent one, who came not only to be the saviour of the Gentiles, but the saviour of the Jews as well. And so we discover from the life of Abraham four things we could mention so many more, but the four I want to highlight this evening. The importance of listening for the voice of God. I don't know what happened there in Haran. I don't know what Abraham was doing, but there must have been some faith involved and somehow he heard the voice of God. God spoke to him. God told him, this is what I want you to do. And so the importance of listening for the voice of God. And may we all always be found in that place where we're open to listen to the voice of God. Myself as a pastor, it's so important. The leadership, it's so important that we're open to listen to the voice of God. To hear what it is that the Spirit is wanting to say to the church today. To us as leaders, to share with the church in our ministry and everything else then there's the importance of listening to the instruction from God we can listen to God but not listen to the instruction but Abraham not only listened to God he listened to the instruction that God gave him I want you to get and leave all this behind I want you to set out and he listened to the instruction the third thing the importance of obedience toward God and then linked with that is the importance of keeping on track in the direction that God is wanting to send us on. See, Abraham had to leave his home and leave his family, and he had to go to a, a different land. You know, I've mentioned many times uh, uh, my visits to Hungary, and my family that I, that the friends there that I call my family um, in the north of Hungary in a town called Dorog, um, I had the joy of knowing we, we were praying for Pastor Balash Peck, who had the cancer in our prayer meetings, but I also had the joy of knowing his father. And his father lived with them in the home. Uh, his, the father's name was Istvan, and Istvan, when I knew him, had suffered a very severe stroke, and most of his time he was bed-bound, but on a Sunday he would always do his best to get up into a wheelchair and they lived just about a few hundred yards from where the church was and they used to wheel him in the wheelchair so that he could at least be in attendance 
in the house of God. But Ishtran was a man who was very similar in many respects to uh, Abraham in that he lived in another part of Hungary in the time of communism. And so where it wasn't easy to be a Christian or anything else. But Ishtran's testimony was that he very clearly heard the voice of God speaking to him in the same way that God spoke to Abraham and told him, I want you to leave the town where you're living. Well, it's, a, it's a large village called Shur and to leave all his family and everything else. And I want you to go to a place where I'm going to send you. And this was in the midst of difficult times with family and everything else. And Ishtran was obedient and he left everything and set out and ended in this town of Dorog. And there in Dorog, in the midst of difficult times, he planted a church first of all in his home. And then as the people began to attend and not knowing, understand this, not knowing who was attending, whether there were spies from the KGB or anything else in the home, they then eventually had to build a bigger building, which they called a storeroom or a workhouse, a, um, a workshop in the back of the garden. And I've been in it. It's now a house. And they built this big building in the back of their garden so they could continue to hold church. And it grew to a point where, as communism came to an end, they were able to build this building. And it's still going today out of this man's obedience in difficult times. But God isn't going to necessarily call you and I to leave our home and to set off to somewhere else. But he does call us to leave the world. He does call us to leave the world with his ungodly passions and desires. He does call us to get up and to go out and to get out of the places that are not doing us any good or are not helpful towards our spiritual growth. He calls us to leave the world behind us and to keep the cross before us. As I said, he calls us to live as strangers and pilgrims and sojourners in this world and to ensure that we head to what is our promised land. God calls us, each and every one of us, he calls us to take seriously. And this is what I feel I need to emphasize. We need to take seriously the challenge of the gospel, which is to daily take up our cross and to follow him. God calls us to a life of obedience, for obedience is the pathway to blessing. And God has prepared so much for us. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor, eye, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So let's not be distracted. Let's not lose our focus. Let us ensure that we throw off everything that hinders us so that we will arrive at our Canaan. And receive all that God has prepared for us. I mentioned it Friday. I mentioned it this morning. I'm going to mention it this evening. And I'm going to keep on mentioning it. Because we are living in serious times. Sometimes I feel there are Christians. There are believers. That are not quite grasped that we're living in serious times. We're getting too comfortable. Like Abraham's father seemed to have got too comfortable in Haran. And we're getting too comfortable in this world in which we're living in. But it's critical times as far as Christianity is concerned. 
The threat that is coming against all things Christian is rising all the time. And I believe that we cannot afford to flirt with the world. The time has come when we need to be willing to count the cost and throw everything into the cause of the gospel. And so despite the theme of not relying on resolutions, but rather upon God's promises, my prayer is this, that each one of us will make a resolution. And this is the resolution that I want us to make, because without it, we will not receive the promises of God. This is the resolution, that is, to be 100% obedient to the claims of the gospel and to the call of God upon our lives. Let's be determined to leave everything behind that could deter us on our journey of faith and focus on the things that really matter, things that pertain for eternity. For Abraham, it was Ur and Haran, yet I'll leave them behind with Canaan before me. And for you and me, it must be, we should be determined that it is the world behind me and the cross before me. No turning back, no turning to the left, no turning to the right, but keeping Jesus as our focus. May God help us. May God help us. I need God's help. And I don't care how long we've been on this journey. We all need God's help to stay focused, to keep the world behind us, and to be determined to finish the course and to arrive in Canaan. Amen.